I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Widows. You have no idea, do you? What did you choose not to know? Your husband stole $2 million from me. This is about my life. This is about my life. And because it's about my life, it now becomes about yours. family's been involved in Harry's life for many years. I need help. I don't see what I can do. Our husbands aren't coming back. We're on our own. My husband left me the plans for his next job. All I need is a crew to pull it off. Why should we trust you anyway? Because I'm the only one standing between you and a bullet in your head what I've learned from men like your late husband and my father is that you reap what you sow. Let's hope so. This is for guns. Guns? From where? Figure it out. If this whole thing goes wrong, I want my kids to know that I didn't just sit there and take it. I did something. best thing we have going for us is being who we are. Why? Because no one thinks we have the balls to pull this off. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Widows, and the story is as follows. Veronica, Linda, Alice, and Belle have nothing in common except a debt that they left behind by their dead husband's criminal activities. Tensions soon rise when they take fate into their own hands and conspire to forge a future on their own terms. The film is starring Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, Cynthia Erivo, Colin Farrell, Brian Tyree Henry, Daniel Kaluuya, Jackie Weaver, Carrie Coon, Robert Duvall, and Liam Neeson. It is written in directed by Steve McQueen, co-written by Gillian Flynn. Joining me for this review, I have J.C. Aldridge. Hello, everybody. Celia Shalekaway. Hey there. Josh Williams. What's going on, everybody? And joining us this week on this honorary awards podcast review, hailing from awardsdaily.com, we have Jazz 10K, everybody. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, we're so, so happy to have you on. We've been trying to get you on now for a bit. We're happy to have you on for this particular film, this 
amazing film, this glorious film, this film that literally I think will come to define 2018. I know for me especially because of how just current it feels while watching it. So mm-hmm. I want to just dive right into it. Um, I don't want to give away too, too much this early on. Suffice to say, I think we all love this movie. But let's actually start off with you first, Jazz. What did you think ultimately of Steve McQueen's latest film, Widows? I absolutely loved it. I remember seeing Widows being British when I was a young child in the UK. And I didn't think anything of that until I heard Steve was doing this with uh, Veronica, with Viola, Michelle. And yeah, I was blown away the first time. And I saw it again the second time, and it was just unexpectedly brilliant. Um, those twists just had me, a, like it felt like a roller coaster of twists and turns, and you didn't know what was happening. And I think when I was watching it the second time, it was at the Middleburg Film Festival, I was gasping. I was still stunned. There's a scene where Daniel Kaluuya is very evil. And I was like, oh my God, just. Yeah, it was phenomenal. All right, all right. So let's keep it going here. JC, it's your review up on the website. Tell everyone what you thought of Widows. I hated it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Twist. <laughs> um, could you imagine? That would have been funny. Anyways, no, I, the complete opposite of, hey, um, as I said in another podcast that we've done a few weeks ago, Widows is my favorite movie of the year. I think it's going to win Best Picture. Whoa, whoa, calm down now. <laughs> I'm still, I will say it every single time, y'all. I'm not playing around, and neither is Steve McQueen. He will what eat I wanted from this podcast. your soul alive in this movie, but then it's like he'll digest it in a really healthy way so that you're getting all the nutrients you need in your cinema experience, and you will come out a healthier, well-bodied cinema-goer even if you've never seen a movie in your life, this is the one movie that you need to see, and that's what I'm going to say about it right now. Jesus Christ. Wow. I wasn't well, – It's funny you say that. I think my skin was clearer. I, I, I think I need that on the poster, actually. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Clear skin, guaranteed. Results may yeah. vary. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there is something to be said there for the fact that here is a genre film, an action film, a heist film, a thriller, whatever you want to call it, and McQueen and Gillian Flynn – took this story and they were able to elevate it above its genre trappings. And honestly, any other heist film, thriller action film that I see in 2018 now has to measure up to this. Mm -hmm. And it just goes to show you how, honestly, how lazy everyone else is in Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) You can take a genre like this and you can create high art. And that is the brilliance of this movie. And there's more brilliance to be found within it. Celia, what about you? What did you think of Widows? I have to echo kind of exactly that. I was always interested in seeing it like from the moment I saw the trailer months ago. But kind of the longer I knew that it existed, the less I expected from it, the more it kind of seemed to be marketed as solely like an action thriller. And then, but stepping out of the theater, yeah, I was just kind of blown away and how it was like this perfectly wrapped movie, like Trojan horsed by Mm -hmm. this kind of like studio system marketing plan. And if you're going to see one 
awards worthy film this fall, I would make it widows. Like as far as I know right now, you know, maybe when the favorite comes out, I'll disagree, but <laughs> like I, it's, it, you really can't go wrong. Everybody should see it. And I even think it's worth seeing on a big screen. It may not be flashy, but I think it's worth being immersed in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think you, I think uh, the cinema going experience of this movie, especially and jazz, you could speak to this because you've seen it twice. Just the very idea of watching it in an audience and hearing the gasps from people when some of the twists do occur. Mm-hmm. That 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 alone has to make it a worthwhile cinema experience. Exactly. Like it needs to be seen on the big screen with an audience, because I feel like everybody's energy of the tension of like what he does it's not just the heist film like he literally takes um the genre and just turns it on his head like um but yeah i don't i'm sure it will carry at home like if you're watching on a screen like you know on netflix or on a screener but just to watch it with a live audience you know with a cinema audience would be like amazing yeah no, I got to echo that. It was for me. I'm sure it is for a lot of people. Uh, Josh, was it for you? What did you think of Widows? Yeah, that was something um, I didn't expect to get going into it was the uh, was the audience reactions. I didn't expect – my theater was completely full opening day, which I also didn't expect. I thought it would be me and like three other people. But um, there was a whole bunch of people there, and they all were gasping and yelling and cheering at moments in the film, and I didn't expect that to happen. Um, the biggest takeaway that I've, as I've kind of sat with it more and more is that it's, I wasn't sure if Steve McQueen was going to be able to pull off something so narrative driven because I love Steve McQueen for his like poetic approach and his sort of, uh, more reserved when it comes to his narratives. He's very kind of takes a step back and lets you sort of unravel it for yourself and his other projects. But with this, it's so very narrative heavy and he just he kills it. He knocks it out of the park. His direction is so sharp, and I think it's probably the best paced movie of the year. Uh, everything that happens happens at the perfect time, and it nothing ever drags or is too sh- uh, is too short. It's all everything about it is fantastic. But the pacing, and I think just Stephen Queen's ability to tackle a not necessarily a straightforward narrative, but something more simple for him was pretty impressive. And, you know, it's interesting that you talk about the simplicity uh, of, you know, the narrative, because I actually think that this film is, while simple on the surface, yes, the underbelly of this film, quite like the underbelly of a city, (laughs) is very, very complex. It has a lot of moving parts. And this is by far, for me, the ensemble of 2018. Mm-hmm. I I can't maybe other than the favorite I can't think mm-hmm. of another ensemble I've seen this year that was as good as Widows, but the best character in Widows is surprisingly the city of Chicago. Mm. Mm-hmm. I will go so far as to say that the city of Chicago gets more character development. <laughs> than any other character in Widows. And that's not a fault. I actually think that makes Widows a better movie all around. You know, like when you read or somebody says like, you know, in their review or whatever, oh, the setting, the the setting is another character in the film. This is the gold freaking standard for that phrase from now on, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Matt. Um, 
And I'm sure, I mean, I, I think I sort of touched on that anyways in, in my review, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more later because um, reflections in this movie were such a huge theme. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's already kind of Chicago being the best character in this film is, is such is really speaking the truth. And you see that it's that Steve McQueen is not shying away from that. This wasn't an accident to have so much focus on the city, both um, the uh, disheveled areas and the wealthy areas and everything in between. This was a very pointed um, portrayal of a really ravished and controversial city in America. And how that stands in as a reflection for the country as a whole. It's not just one city. He's using, mm-hmm. though, as an example to touch upon, uh, uh, I, my God, every single issue <laughs> that there is like to think about mm-hmm. in Trump's America 2018. It, it's, it's a stroke of brilliance. And credit to both Gillian Flynn, Steve McQueen, for writing that into the screenplay. And you know what? Listen, I, I've, beat, I've beat up movie studios enough this year. I'll, I'll give 20th Century Fox their due for allowing these two to make the film that very clearly they wanted to make. Mm-hmm. I, I want to echo what Josh said about um, McQueen's like usual poetic approach. And this is a very narratively driven film, but I think choosing Chicago as the focus is like a very poetic choice. Yeah, definitely. Be- because having both in its literal sense, you know, Chicago is a pretty often brought up talking point when discussing social issues. So it's very literal. But then like you were saying, Matt, it's also kind of a microcosm for all of these other, you know, larger scale things happening right now. And I just think it's like the best example of like an irrefutable argument. You know what I mean? Like you watch yeah. this movie and you're not going to pretend like it's some satire. Like it's not a satire. Like it says mm-hmm. its point and it says it's so completely that it's, it's just, it's, it's incredible. I just, I can't believe it happened. <laughs> like, yeah. There's never a moment of like, there's never a moment of hesitation, like on McQueen or um, Flynn's end to your point, Celia, like there's so much to dissect. And there's even some moments that could be taken possibly as satirical or comedic. And it, it ends up being played off as a very dramatic beat in the story or something that comes back to be, you know, to haunt the characters later or play a bigger part in the overarching picture. And it's, it's so smart to do that. You rarely see that in any film in general, but especially like a heist film. Like you're talking about the scenes like where he's at the uh, uh, political rallies and he's giving the speeches and he comes up like with the acronyms that celebrates like the minority working class and how like in a way it's like it, it's such bullshit. Like we can mm-hmm. see clearly through your bullshit, man, like what you're trying to do in order to just cling on to your power. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's so fake. There's no, yeah, there's no opportunity for misunderstanding. Like you, no. can't, walk, you, can't, so you can't walk out of this movie and pretend to misunderstand it because if you do like you miss, you miss all of it. That's what's so, that's what's so, um, kind of ironic about the whole situation is that Matt and Celia, like you're right, it is so obviously fake. And yet 
it's the same sort of ploys that have made that have gotten America to where it is politically at this point. It's fake. We can all see right through it, but still, when it's right in front of you, mm-hmm. clearly, it's still it's doing exactly what it's doing in that film, and it is pushing him to it is pushing Farrell's character to the point where he could win again. And it's mm-hmm. just it's it really is uh, very dual focused. There, it's so interesting. You know, for people that walk out of this movie and say, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know who would do this, but like for anybody that walks out of this movie and just doesn't get it or didn't understand its messaging, the the one scene to me that's like the, the, the test of whether or not if you are understanding and getting on the same vibes as this movie is the shot from outside of the car. Oh, that's yes. yes. that so mm-hmm. good. Amazing. I love that scene. And I, I've had some people, I've heard people say, like, I don't understand why they chose to shoot it this way. Uh, I don't. I wanted to see the performance, and I'm like, oh. no. <laughs> the whole it's performance the is outside of the it. car. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, how can you? How can you misinterpret that? That's where it's shown the segregation of Chicago as they go from like you know the poverty area, the racial divide that exists in Chicago and every city, into back to his like wealthy home. Like, how can yeah. you? If you don't get it, like you say, forget it. Like, you're you should go watch Ocean's Eight, and I loved Ocean's Eight, but st- <laughs> stick to, stick to that franchise. Mm-hmm. That scene has kind of like a double meaning, I think, too. Where as Jazz just said about how it shows the transition from kind of you know um, the sort of not so wealthy section of Chicago into like Colin Farrell's very wealthy section of Chicago. Mm-hmm. It also reveals because I don't know if this is a spoiler, but Colin Farrell asks his girlfriend if she's ever had sex with a black guy. And so it also is kind of like a double entendre of it's he's hiding who he really is because he's preaching all these things about um, how he's going to better he's going to have better things for minorities when he's in office and and such and such. But then when he's behind closed doors, he's a little bit of a racist. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind it's really good. It's a really good scene. Is is that his girlfriend? I thought that was just his assistant. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. I thought no. they were dating or married or something. That's the vibe. No, it, it, definitely his assistant and definitely, uh, you know. At least sleeping together. Yeah, yeah. or they were at least Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Like, I, I said assistant with, like, air quotes around it. Yeah, she's his assistant. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think, yeah, I thought that comment was really interesting. And it sure as hell has a lot of racist undertones. But, yeah. you know, as the movie kind of goes on, another thing I love about it is it doesn't, let anybody off the hook it might explain why they're doing what they're doing but it doesn't let anybody off the hook oh what's that you reap what you sow it's one of the lines in the movie (laughs) kind of like you start out the movie thinking like here are the good guys and here are the bad guys and by the end of the movie you're like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) you know like like you know colin farrell definitely needed to improve but you also maybe didn't hate him as much as you did in well, we don't hate him as much as his father, uh, right. played by Robert Duvall yeah. in this movie. Yeah, and if he's the image of Chicago improving, then you're like, I mean, at least there's improvement. Well, but here's what I'll say to that, though. I think Colin Farrell is supposed to be representing an improvement, but still under the same yeah. status quo like, that yeah, we no. have been used to for centuries. And this is where I think th- this, to me, is the whole point of the movie. I personally walked away from this movie 
feeling that the ultimate takeaway is this is a movie about power, it's about corruption, it's about greed, and it's about suppression by an older generation that have been in power for generations, centuries, and those underneath them, anyone that's not pretty much straight white male, they are the ones that have been trying to survive underneath this suppression for centuries. And now... The change is finally happening, and it is being brought to them forcefully. And for once in their life, they are the ones who are clinging to survival because of this change. And the tables are finally being flipped. I I, I just got all that through Robert Duvall and just how outwardly racist he was and how he's trying his best to continue his line of succession of power over the city through his son. But his son cannot stop this change this force this momentum that is just surging and it it like it's just so powerful uh the undertones of this movie it's unbelievable Mm -hmm. oh sorry i I just i'll get off my soapbox for a moment here but it's it's not just that you know there's this incoming wave of minorities that will inevitably shift everything because even even jamal is kind of like he doesn't even really want to win for the right reasons. He doesn't really want to change anything. He just wants right. to he just wants to play a white man almost. But well, well, I mean, don't you think though that he's contrasted against the women and the you know, the widows themselves? Well, I mean, ev- everything's contrasted against the widows cuz that's the movie. But um But I, I but I, what I'm saying is that when I talk about that change, I'm more so referencing oh, their the group women. and I'm not looping Brian Tyree Henry yeah, so no. much in there with them if that makes sense. I I agree. I agree. I just think when you focus on kind of the political subplot, even though it's not really a subplot, it's just really interesting the way that they try to flip the script and then when you bring what the actual, you know, a storyline is and you intersect the two, it's, it kind of explains how the dynamic that we have right now in our country has come to be. It's like a whole kind of recap of what the hell is going on. Right. It's, it's, it's representative of this is the way it's always been. And like, if you can't see that times are changing, you you got to wake up. Mm-hmm. You got to open up your eyes, and that's part of that that co- that conversation that takes place in the car. That's why I think it is so so like that scene is so so important to understand what is going on outside of your viewpoint and what's happening in the world around you. The world is changing, whether you want it to or not, and a bunch of these guys that are in power have to either learn that their time is over and or they need to accept it. I think we also need to just take like a minute to, even though Brian Tyree Henry's care, what was his name again? I don't remember. Jamal. Jamal. Jamal, That's right. Jamal. Um, Jamal Manning. That's right. Uh, Even though he may not have seemed like he was running for the right reasons. I think that it's important to remember that, he does kind of make a case that in a huge a huge reason that this country is so divided is because of the is because of the way that um african americans in chicago in areas like that have been pushed into a state of poverty because of because of decades and decades and decades of suppression and so 
he is in a gang and he is kind of um, doing what he has to do. But at the same mm-hmm. time, he does make a point that like he's been pushed to this moment. Like he doesn't, he mm-hmm. wasn't given the same kind of, he, he didn't, he wasn't a, they were never on an equal playing field to begin with. So they were never going to play fair. So would you then would say, would you walk away from this then and say that then the theme of the film is ultimately survival? I think in a way, you know, Matt, I think survival is a great way to look at this film. Power does make a lot of sense, but I do feel like it, it's survival whether it's to survive in a place of power, surviving in a place without power is sort of what I take from this film. Definitely. Because I, what I like about that too, is I like that here, here is a guy who, to your point has done what he has had to do to survive, to get to where he is today in order to get a taste of that power. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there are uh, the widows who, are also in a position where they too have to survive. And inadvertently, through their strength and through their unity and bond that they form with each other, they are able to acquire not so much power, but are able to create uh, a new life for themselves. Right. And to your point, maybe the the power, air quotes, uh, can be... Political, monetary, it, it could be defined by whatever you want it to be defined by, ultimately. Maybe for some, power is just a wholesome family running a store and just having a happy existence. And for others, power is surviving the day. Right. All right. So I want to now at this moment uh, go around. I want to ask uh, favorite characters, favorite performances, anything about the characters. It's a large ensemble. Let's try our best to mention everyone if we can. I suppose we should start off with the queen herself, Viola Davis. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's talk about Viola in this. I mean, I don't know who it was a minute ago. It was a few minutes ago, but I think it was Josh or Celia. I, I don't know. It was one of you. Somebody said that they felt like they had never seen a movie like this before. I think it was you, Celia. And I think a large part of that has to do with the casting of Viola Davis in the lead role in a film such as this. And it just feels so, it feels fresh. It feels exciting. It feels like, like I said, it change. Change is in the air. And, and, and that's what makes this movie fe- great. And it's led by the great Viola Davis. So let's start off with her. Anybody have any thoughts on Viola in this? I thought she was fantastic in this, incredible. Um, what I loved about her character and what I loved, loved that Steve did was he made her beautiful by not putting her in a wig. I think she's spoken about it with, you know, she spoke about it with Variety. She spoke about it when I interviewed her. And it was like, she's a real woman. And the film opens. Wait, I'm not going to spoil it with her. Well, actually, you know, the film opens with her in bed with a white man. And that's something that you don't see on screen very often, like that interracial relationship. Um, that kind of intimate interracial yeah, relationship. Very, very intimate, intimate. That, that intimacy, um, which was great to see. And I mean, yeah, she's she was incredible. And just how she is basically forced to pick up the mess, which is another, going back to what we were talking about earlier, was like going picking up the mess that 
you know, these guys have left in their lives. So we see their life before and then we see it afterwards and how, you know, that journey they go on. Um, yeah, she was, she was, um, you know, she was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gets her voice, you know, through, through gaining that strength, through gaining, you know, from having to figure out what to do now because she's backed into the corner with, you know, after wait, Jamal comes into the apartment with the dog, which we can talk about later on. Um, I want to ask this question really quick. I'm just really curious about this. Um, where do you think her strength comes from where the other widows are a little hesitant? you know, obviously to pull off the job at first and she kind of has to be the one to talk them into it. She has no choice. Mm-hmm. Like, it's either if I don't do this, I'm going to die. I think, I don't know. What do you guys think? I That's well, where I think she gets her strength from to I, do it. I think I, I agree with you because even though in the film, she kind of makes it seem like the other women will be responsible for the debt as well but i think the way i took it no they're not responsible for this debt she is the sole person that jamal is coming after and she's who he's expecting to get this money from so i think there is definitely a sense of desperation which is so um which is so characteristic of gillian flynn to write a female character that is pushed to a point of a fight from a seat of desperation more than anything else. Interesting. And, you know, only Viola, I feel like, could, you know, play this kind of commanding screen presence where, I mean, like, she, she, she's the type of person that I, I'd follow her into a heist, you know, if she was oh, leading yeah. the way. <laughs> uh, she, she just has that commanding on-screen presence, and she has said this in interviews. Jazz, I don't know if she said it in yours, but um, this is the kind of role that we've seen many men play before, um, and to see her, uh, and 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 not just her, but but a but a black woman also right. in a big American studio Hollywood film like this uh, this is something that is it's it just feels all brand new like i feel like i like i was saying before you know comparisons have been made to other movies like heat and things like that but it, it can't compare this is its own animal and a large reason of it is because of her mm-hmm. yeah. yeah uh all right so what did we think of the rest of the ensemble i i think that steve mcqueen especially uh definitely has like you could tell that he just loves Elizabeth Debicki in this. Oh I yes, I was. Yeah. Mm, mm. And, and not just because you know she has a lot of scenes that are written for her individually, but I mean, like you could tell that like he doesn't try to hide the fact that she is a giant <laughs> at all. <laughs> like she towers over everyone mm-hmm. in this, and I feel like other filmmakers would try to film it in such a way that they would use some trickery, put people on boxes, make them the same height. Nah, she, he, you could tell like you know she fully embraces who she is on screen, and he just lets her show that, and it makes her such a unique presence in this movie too. And Can she we? has, I totally agree with you. Uh, Matt, I loved her performance in this and I loved what her role represented. Um, her, I don't know, her husband, who's played by John Bernthal, um, hashtag Walking Dad Forever, <laughs> <laughs> he is 
he ultimately he is an abusive husband and she's in a very abusive relationship with him. But the thing that is so interesting to me that I, I love because it's so real is that she, when the whole accident happens and, and he's dead, she's devastated and she is. And, but when like some, a scene that really spoke to me, and it just kind of like crushed me to the bone. They're sitting at a they're sitting at a um a breakfast table or something, and she has bruises on her face, and uh, he pokes her bruises as and he says um he says I wish you'd put makeup on that that you know I I hate looking at that and she says yeah I hate looking at it too and then he she like sits on his lap and then they're kissy kissy and it's like such it, it just it, it's gut-wrenching because so many women have been in that exact type of abusive volatile relationship where they're like they feel like an abused dog who's wanting that love and then gets attacked but always comes back and it's so seeing her transformation through the movie and uh how she how she grows from that is just one of my favorite aspects of this film yeah, I mean, I love that she's, like, she's the one who goes on, like, probably the best journey because, like, so many women feel like, you know, it's about your looks, how you, you know, your sexuality, and she discovers her worth on this journey. And I think that's, like, she doesn't believe in herself and that heist or that whole thing m makes her stop and appreciate, you know, what her life is. And gaining that is great. Speaking of what her life is, I mean, how about that one scene with her and Jackie Weaver? My God! Oh my mm. gosh! <laughs> like Jackie Weaver, I don't, I don't. She, she has no other scenes, I think, other than that one and maybe one She's other in that, in that one little bit. Yeah. Yeah, but you talk about maximizing screen time. You know, I mean. She's got any, she's got an Oscar nominations for less. Uh, let me tell you, but you know, <laughs> I mean that 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 that's just what I mean when I say like I feel like the ensemble is so perfectly utilized here. I've seen so many ensembles with so many names before, big names too, and they get underutilized. I cannot say the same about this movie here. And the newcomer of the group, uh, who's only been in one of her film this year, and that's Bad Times DL Royale, Cynthia Erivo. Uh, I saw a tweet earlier on Twitter, and it said something along the lines of "best runner in a movie since Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible." Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. Like, holy hell, <laughs> this girl! I mean, who here has seen Bad Times at the El Royale? I have. I think it's really clear that she's she also is going places as well. Yeah, she was one of the best parts of that whole movie, and she was a very very good part in this movie. And I don't, you know, I wasn't a bad times stan, but you can serve, you can survive a, a, an average film by being the best in it. So I think that her career has very far, like very long legs. It'll run. Yeah. Like she <laughs> the, the only person who I, I wanted more of, and I think this is only because I'm a huge fan of the leftovers is Carrie Coon. Mm -hmm. mm. I wanted to see more Carrie Coon. Love, 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 love Carrie Coon. Uh, but yeah, from her to 
uh, Michelle Rodriguez, who uh, I said this the other day on on our podcast. I feel like I only know Michelle Rodriguez from the Fast and the Furious films, Avatar, Girl Fight, and that's like it. Resident right. Evil, dog? How are you going to exclude Resident Evil? I, I just did. It was very easy. But like, you know, Michelle Rodriguez is someone whose career I – I've gotten to a point with her where I'm not used to seeing her in movies like this anymore. And it was very refreshing for me to see her. I don't want to say she's not acting in the other movies I've seen her in lately, but it was just good to see her in a more scaled back movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how is everybody feeling about Daniel Kaluuya? Like, cause I have nightmares about him. <laughs> I, so I a lot of people, I'm glad you brought this up. A lot of people talk about the scene in the bowling alley when he lays Oof. down like across from the guy, the scene that I like much, much more is in the beginning when he makes the two guys rap mm-hmm. and yes. then he gets in between them yes. and he's like, Oh yeah. Oh, like I love that scene way more. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I love it because of obviously Daniel Kaluuya's presence in that scene is unnerving. But um, I also love it because of the way that McQueen and Sean Bob at the uh, DP on this film shoot it. It's yeah. uh, shot in one yeah. take and they do a um, 360 degree camera angle that keeps going around and round and round. And as it's happening, um, we can feel it's almost going like round and round in a swirl to where you know it's going to like go down a drain and it almost feels like it's constricting because you can Ooh. feel the tension just getting tighter and tighter as Daniel Kaluuya just keeps getting closer in on these guys. And like you said, <sighs> the, the, it just the scene keeps going and you know it's building and you don't know when it's going to burst because yeah, Daniel Kaluuya is so scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, God. I remember hearing about how little screen time he had. And being sad about it because I was like, oh, I hope that I wish that, you know, I like him. He's good. I want to see him in a more like meaty role. And then I saw the movie and I was like, please don't put him on the screen. I don't want him. <laughs> I don't want him on I'm fine with him not ever being on screen. Thank you. Because you know that when he shows up on screen, you know it's trouble. I, I'm not. Ha- yeah. Unhappy things happen. And I'm just like, you know. He can he can stay where he is. I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this, um, and I said this on our recent podcast as well when talking about his Oscar chances. I'm now that I've seen the film, I'm no longer predicting him, and that's not to say that I don't think he's good. That's not what I'm saying. I just don't think that this is the kind of performance that the Oscars really will go for. And those that were saying it you know, out of tiff and things like that. I didn't believe it at first because, you know, he's coming off of Get Out. There's that afterglow feeling of a maybe another nomination. Widows is an Oscar contender. He could show up for it. It's a villain role, but it's not a flashy villain role. He's very dead-eyed, very, very, very poised, very subdued. But that kind of um, internal stoicness is unnerving and makes him so so scary to watch on screen you never you really never know what he's going to do yeah he's terrifying he's terrifying henry does really good does a really good job with the scenes he's given too oh yeah Uh, olivia yeah olivia (laughs) oh oh my gosh olivia wait who's olivia i'm sorry the dog dog. dog. oh oh i'm like who in the cast is named olivia oh okay the dog yeah of course the dog what did they say in Shakespeare and Lo- Shakespeare and Love? All you need is love and a comedy bit with a dog. And that, and they gave us that. 
Well, bless the yeah, the dogs, man. I don't know if you'd call it comedy, but <laughs> no, no, no. I know. I'm, I'm totally being. I'm I joking it was around. Really but. funny. Like after that scene happened, and she's carrying around this little, yeah, like thing with this little pupper. Well, with it makes her, sense. The rest of the movie, everywhere she goes, I thought that was hilarious. My, my, I was sitting next to a critic friend of mine, and the scene <laughs> towards the end where she goes into that woman's house, the fourth woman who originally didn't show up. And she just, like, brings the dog in with her. And she's like, I brought my dog. Can I put my dog down? We just look at each other and we're like, what is happening with this dog? What is this dog? I mean, it, like, right. if you got threatened in your house by a high-profile politician gangster. You bring the dog everywhere. You bring the dog everywhere. Exactly. I mean, it, exactly. Was such, it was such interesting color. We're just like, all right, like, this is. What an interesting way to show like a character trait that <laughs> you're like. I yeah. love my dog it, and yeah. I bring her everywhere, and she's in all the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is one of those details that could be forgotten about. Could be a plot hole. No, nope, they carry it through the whole way, and they even find a way to cleverly work it into the script, yeah. which I really appreciated a lot because it wasn't then just played for comedy. It actually made sense within the story. Mm-hmm. So, uh, speaking uh, of which, in regards to the story, there are some twists in this, and yeah, I thought about having a spoiler section, but I want to kind of leave that alone. I really want anyone that's listening to this to definitely check out the movie if they have not already. Uh, so we're not going to have a spoiler section, all right, to discuss Good. some of the twists in this movie. <laughs> uh, but I do want to just uh, leave off uh, before we get to final thoughts here. Oscar potential, great out of 10. I do want to leave off here by saying uh, that just, I guess I'll start off with, I guess, I guess really what I'm saying is I'll start off with my final thoughts and then we'll go around the horn here. Um, this is my favorite movie of 2018. Uh, I love any movie that takes genre and elevates genre. That's like my, that's like the, the quickest way to my heart. So thank you, Steve McQueen and Gillian Flynn for doing this. I really appreciate it. You gave us something that is fresh, new, exciting. I feel like I've never seen it before. And um, for those reasons, it's my favorite film of the year by far. Um, I look forward to watching it again because I do find that it's not only a very, very important piece of social and political commentary. I also think it's a very entertaining movie as well uh, for all the reasons that we said before. The uh, last thing I do want to point out about this movie uh, is um, the text, uh, the editing. I think within the first 10 seconds of the movie, you understand why this movie is a threat for a Best Editing nomination at this year's Oscars. And I think that carries on throughout the movie. There's some carefully laid back, uh, carefully laid in flashback sequences that I think are both illuminating for the characters and also they help to push the uh, narrative uh, forward in a way that is uh, quite heartbreaking at times. So I really, really loved how the script and the editing worked together to make those scenes uh, work. And then um, the sound also in the movie, I think is uh, pretty, it it stood out to me uh, where it was very pronounced, very impactful. And it didn't just sound like your typical run of the mill sound that I would find in a standard uh, action movie, like say, uh mile 22 <laughs> uh okay so final thoughts jazz uh let's start off with you final thoughts and what grade out of 10 would you give widows oh wait and speaking of which 10 out of 10 from me yes <laughs> i would give it a 10 out of 10 it is 
so much. It's just one of the best films of the year. Echoing what you said, Joe Walker's editing is superb. That those first few minutes going between the heist and their, you know, what's happening early in the day, you're plunged right in and you're kept right in for the whole movie. Um, and then just with Gillian's script writing with Steve, I mean, what a partnership, you know, to take it from London to Chicago. Perfect. There's, it's just perfection. And that ensemble is spectacular. So yes, 10 out of 10. Uh, one last thing I, I, I kind of was searching for it before and I, I didn't quite get to it. I did have one final fault about the movie before I pass it off to uh, other uh, people's final thoughts here. And maybe you guys can choose to agree or disagree with me on this. I did find the ending to be slightly rushed and a little unfulfilling for me, not from an emotional standpoint, because I do think where the movie chooses to end in its final scene and its final moment is perfect. But from everything that happens with Daniel Kaluuya and the way Brian Tyree Henry also gets wrapped up. Let me just say that I was hoping for a final confrontational dialogue scene between Viola Davis and another character at the end of that movie that I didn't quite get. And that was something that I thought was maybe lacking to sell the, hey, I got back at you. Like kind of satisfying, hell yeah, you know, kind of a ending moment. But uh, I digress. The movie's still a 10 out of 10. Moving on. <laughs> Uh, let's throw it over to uh, Celia. I think we've said basically everything. I think it's just a film that I don't. I don't know. I I don't know how it exists. Like how it gets, how it got made in like a major studio system. Like it. I don't. I don't get it. Isn't that isn't that so beautiful? Isn't that great? <laughs> um, I don't think I would give it a nine out of ten. I don't think the pacing was perfect. Um, and it wasn't one of those movies that like the moment it's over, I wanted to rewatch it just because it's kind of dark, but that's not to knock it's like actual Oscar worthiness at all. Like just on a personal scale, nine out of 10 for me, everybody should see it. And I think that, you know, whether it gets the awards recognition it, it deserves, I do think it will be a movie that 2018 is known for. All right, JC. Yeah. So <laughs> this movie is definitely a 10 out of 10 that's like it's like so i don't even i pretty much yeah widows is a 10 out of 10 um it it it, very rarely can you leave a movie feeling disturbed and empowered at the same time and i think that that is very largely in part to gillian flynn i i will say that i do wonder um how much co-writing she did with Steve McQueen because I wouldn't be surprised if she did a lot of it. Um, this, I, I think that I personally, I can't wait to see the kind of career that Gillian Flynn continues to have in the film industry, because I really think that, um, her influence in the path of female characters since she's come onto the scene has just completely changed the game. Oh, yeah, we've gone girls, sharp objects in this now. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. She's just a real game changer. And I'm totally with you, Matt. Um, 
film editing and sound, I just think are phenomenal in this movie. And I'm not one of those people to generally pick up on the technical aspects of films. That's not always my forte. It's kind of in the back burner for me. But those two were just front and center in the best way possible. And y'all should all go over and watch, uh, watch, listen to Matt's interview with the editor of Widows, um, Walker. And he, it's just, yeah. That's all I'm going to say about it. And uh, if you don't see it, then, well, I'm going to come find your dog. So, <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my. my God. Uh, okay. Uh, Josh, no dog threatening. What did you have final <laughs> thoughts on Widows? Um, yeah. Like everybody else has said, it's really incredible. Uh, the editing is great, the acting is great. Um, I do give, I think Steve McQueen did a really good job with a very narrative heavy film. And I think um, JC put it perfectly. Um, I'm excited to see where Gillian Flynn goes with the rest of her career, considering it really has only just started. Um, and she definitely has changed the game. That was a good, that was a good little sense. I'm sad you beat me to that. Um, that was, yeah, I just, everything about this film is spectacular. I want people to see it more. Um, I give it a nine out of 10 as well, because I think there are a couple moments in the middle that I think, um, I just, I personally don't care for. They were a little, they were smaller moments that I think didn't really necessarily need to be in the film. Right, let me ask you a quick question. Are you referring to scenes involving Elizabeth Debicki and, uh, oh God, what's the actor's name? Lucas Haas. Is that his name? Lucas Haas. Chris yeah. Haas. Okay. Gotcha. Um, Lucas Haas. I would say Lucas Haas. not. Not all of those scenes, but there's a couple small scenes that they have together that I don't really care for. Mm. Okay. I was just curious. Uh, All righty. Well, Oscar potential. Jazz, you come from the famousawardsdaily.com. I'm really curious to know, especially now after this uh, very disappointing uh, first weekend box office results, where do you see Widows in the Oscar conversation as of today? Now that we have solidified, because let me tell you, all I felt like I heard up until the release of this movie was, is Widows an Oscar contender? Isn't an Oscar contender? I don't know. It's like, it's Steve McQueen and Gillian Flynn with Viola Davis. Of course it's an Oscar contender. Are you insane? <laughs> like, don't don't use the genre as a crutch to say that you don't know if it is or if it isn't. A good movie is a good movie, and a good movie can be an Oscar contender. I digress. Jazz, where do you think it stands in the race? I agree. It's a good movie, and as you know, I don't... I don't know. Like I said to Sasha, this Oscar race is all over the place right now. You know, we don't have a front runner. Where is it going to get in? I would love personally to see Viola get in for Best Actress. I would like to see it get in for Best Editing. I truly have, you know, I'd like to see Elizabeth get in for Supporting Actress as well. I truly don't know. Um, that is my honest answer. Well, here's what here's what we have on the site right now. This is what's on the table. Okay, if we were to push everything on the table, we've got best sound mixing, best sound editing, best film editing, best cinematography, best adapted screenplay, best supporting actress for Elizabeth Debicki, best supporting actor for Daniel Kaluuya, best actress for Viola Davis, best director for Steve McQueen, and best picture. So count them all up. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's that's eleven possible nominations. That the film can get. Um, of those. Maybe adapted. <sighs> maybe 
be adapted. Right? I, I think it could. I think it gets adapted. I think it's I, I I think it's fighting right now for the fifth slot and adapted with um I actually have it battling to hate you give and adapted right now for that final slot. But I, I, I go back and forth almost every single day. Cause also too, they snubbed Gillian Flynn four years ago for a category that she should have won. I don't now I don't know if that's gonna carry through to this movie. Maybe they just don't think it's that good to begin with, but I tell you, the lengths that they go to go through in this movie to at least characterize the city, humanize the characters, present a film that we have never seen before, that's gotta be commended to some degree, no? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think Daniel Kluge is getting in anymore. You all know how I feel about that. I think Best Supporting Actress for Elizabeth Debicki could happen if critics start to rally behind her and that the industry wants to anoint a new star with a Welcome to the Club nomination. It's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's slim, but it's possible. I think Davis is the best shot. And I think that there's a chance she could show up at Golden Globe and SAG to make it happen. Yeah. 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 Critics, cho- critics choice too, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. I mean, there are six slots there. That's possible. Uh, but uh, but realistically, the thing I feel most safe in saying is I think film editing and the sounds, um, I feel most confident. Maybe not even both sounds, maybe just one of them. I would say of the two, sound editing. Because those explosions and the gunfire, um, especially the explosions, like the scene where she lights the, the flare... Yeah, just that was like really, really pronounced sound work. I felt like, and not just that too, but uh, also capturing the sound of uh, City of Chicago with the train and everything. I mean, th- there's definitely some work in here that if people see the movie and they are paying attention, I think it could sneak in. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What, what about picture? Can anyone? Yeah. Can anyone here see 300 people listing Widows as their favorite film of the year? Yeah. 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 Maybe. yeah. I yes. think it'd be, I don't think it's going to win. I mean, my my issue with kind of where Widows lands in the Oscar conversation is that, at least on film Twitter, <laughs> which is all I can really measure things by because I'm not in the Academy, everybody's talking about this movie like it is a disappointment, not in quality, but in reception. Yeah, the moment there's a single strike, people use it as an excuse right away. No, I know. But if that's the narrative that sticks to this film, if a month from now when The Favorite is out and Mary Poppins is out and all that kind of stuff, if people think back on Widows and all they remember is a bad box office, then it doesn't matter. No, not at all. I mean, it's the number one reason why we're writing off First Man in all the main categories, uh, because right, exactly. that movie is perceived to be a failure. So I see it well, get, like, all those categories that you said it was going to be pushing for, I could see it, like, quality-wise, it deserve, it could deserve to be in all of those categories. Yeah. I could also see it getting into none of those categories, <laughs> because it just depends on what people, it's, it's not what people think about it now, it's what people think about it a month from now. I think that we just need to remember that um, I loved this movie like this, but the monster movie won the best picture award last year. And that's what people remember that movie as they call it the monster movie. And so I think that while you have a point and the box office can matter, I also feel like we all thought that a movie like The Shape of Water could never have won Best Picture, and it did. 
And I think that um, I'm okay with Widows sliding in as an underdog because I really feel like this movie is going to win Best Picture. I, As much as I, I did love The Favorite, but I just don't think The Favorite holds up to the... It just... And I think we kind of have talked about this in the past. It really just comes down to what type of what type yeah. of winner the Academy wants to see this year, whether it's um, whether it's internal or external. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I'm I'm not saying I would be mad if it did. I'm just saying, like, I think the thing about The Shape of Water was, yeah, it was the monster movie, but everybody loved it for being the monster movie. Yeah, like the people who loved it, like they loved it. But like all I see on Twitter when I see people talking about widows is it's so good and nobody's seeing it and it's so good and nobody cares. And and it's just like this very kind of like pessimistic tone surrounding it. And so I could just see myself or or somebody who doesn't pay that close of attention be like, oh, yeah, didn't nobody like that movie? Well, I'll I'll explain why. And we said this on uh, last week's show. It's because. This movie, when it premiered, and Jazz definitely definitely knows this, this was billed as the commercial Steve McQueen film. And that's why it wasn't going to be an Oscar contender, because it was being written off as being commercial. Now, the movie has to live up to at least being commercial. Mm-hmm. It has to make money. Yeah. If it can't make money, then it's not commercial, and now people have more of a reason to say it's no longer an Oscar contender anymore, mm-hmm. which I think is silly. But unfortunately, that is the world that we live in. You know, when we have movies being released on a weekly basis and films are constantly coming and going within the race and things are moving all over the place, people just jump reactionarily to the quickest thing that they can jump to to say all right well that's no longer in the conversation now i'm gonna uh, look, look ahead to the future and mary poppins is coming out we're gonna move that in there instead right. you know what i mean no, it's just absolutely and and you said and you said it like like it's about staying in the conversation right even though i think it deserves to i don't know how confident i am that it will stay in the conversation if we come back in you know january february and i'm super wrong dope love that tweet me all you want and tell me i'm wrong because i'll say thank god but yeah. I just don't know. Uh, one, one thing I will say for sure, and Jazz, let me ask for your opinion on this. If Widows, by some miracle, manages to gain legs, and it does prove to be a box office success, could you see some sort of a correlation between Widows and, say, something like um, like The Departed? Another entertaining crime film that was perceived as an underdog and wasn't supposed to be an Oscar movie, but went on to win Best Picture. I mean, it could. I don't think it's going to get, sadly, I truly don't think it's going to get Best Picture. But, you know, the Academy, remember they recognized Hell or High Water, which, you know, I, I'm sure that wasn't, a, if I, do, I forget the box office figures for that, but. It was pretty you good. You know, it could, who knows? Yeah. I would actually argue that Widows might even be more important than Hell or High Water, right. actually, in the grand scheme of things. So Exactly, because, it, you know, we've discussed the themes of Chicago politics and everything there. But, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Even if they did accept it, I just don't think it, it would get a Best Picture nomination. They could surprise us all and, and give it one. Um, or maybe they'll give it, you know, or maybe Elizabeth DeBecky will get in. But it's playing, I know it's like, you know, it's playing really well in the cinemas as far as like, you know, the audience reaction 
they love it. So I just don't know where it will land at the academy. I truly don't. And I haven't spoken to any voters to know. I've spoken to SAG voters, interestingly enough, um, the few that have seen it, and they like it. So. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a shoe in for a SAG Ensemble nomination at this point. I, I would even say it might even be uh, possibly contending maybe even for the win. Uh, you know, it's anything could happen. And it is a wild card in the race right now. And it will continue to be until the herd gets a little bit thinner. We'll have to wait and see what happens with that. All right. So with that said, Jazz, thank you so much for guesting on this review with us. We really appreciated having you on. And Thank you. Honestly, this was a blast. Thank you for having me, guys. Yes, thank you for being here. Widow's love. Jazz, why don't you tell all of our listeners where they can find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jazz T um, and on Instagram at Jazz T21. I highly encourage that you follow Jazz. She is talking to, I think, every single person associated with every movie this year in some form or another. (laughs) And (laughs) she is just a very, very pleasant and wonderful person to follow on Twitter. So please definitely give her a follow. And on Instagram, which I don't follow you on Instagram. I'm going to have to do that now. Uh, Celia, where can they find you on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter and on Letterboxd at Films Unstuck. JC Aldridge. You can find me at Twitter and Instagram at jc aldridge oh wow you like matched me there josh <laughs> i didn't forget about you where can they find you on the internet you can find me at josh underscore williams 09 and you can find me at next best picture thank you so much everyone for listening to our review of widows here on the next best picture podcast you can subscribe to us on itunes soundcloud google play stitcher tune and player fm acast Castbox, and also on spotify Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback. Drop us a comment. Tell us what you like about the show. And if you're feeling supportive, head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always. We shall see you all next time. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.